Welcome to the Scuff Podcast, where we talk about U.S. soccer. Welcome back to our continuing coverage of the U-20 CONCACAF Championship. The U.S. beat Cuba 3-0 on Wednesday night in Tegucigalpa, Honduras, on the strength of a blitzkrieg in the opening 10 minutes. Quinn Sullivan got a hat trick in the first half, and we saw out the lead in a grudging second half. As a result, we finished first in our group and faced Nicaragua in the round of 16 on Saturday night. If we win that, we likely face Costa Rica in a game that, if we win that one, would qualify us for the U-20 World Cup. Joining me to discuss this game is Bob Morocco, the big soccer legend, a man who obviously loves the game, discusses it with a, I think, pretty unique level of precision. Uh, Bob, thanks for doing this. Yeah, thanks, Bells. I'm excited for the chance to fail in a new medium. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's, that's what we do every week here, pretty much. Except I guess it's not a new medium for us. So I'll just go right into the lineups. The The U.S. came out with uh, Chris Brady in goal. He had played in goal against Canada. Um, the back line was, I think, the widely believed to be first choice back line. Mauricio Cuevas at right back. Jalen Neal and Brandon Craig as the center backs. And then Noah Allen as the left back. And then the midfield was Rokas Puxtas, uh, Alejandro Alvarado, and Nico Sakiris. And then across the front line from right to left, Quinn Sullivan, Paxson Aronson as the sort of playmaking nine, and Caden Clark. Did you have any uh did you have any thoughts when you saw the lineup? I mean, you know, it was uh Sakiris more on the right, kind of cutting in on the left, mm-hmm. and Alvarado more shaded to the left. And I like the uh terminology of playmaking nine. Yeah, well, it's it's kind of like how we would be with. Uh, typically, it's McKenney shading to the right for us, right? Well, is it uh, recently? Yeah, yeah. Alvarado was really good in that game against uh, St. Kitts. I guess not sure how much to take from that in general, but um, it was good to see him back in the lineup. I thought definitely, yeah. In in that type of situation, I kind of looked to see. You know, how sharp someone is, are they playing down to the opponent or are they able to kind of maintain a higher tempo? And I thought Alvarado did a great job of that against a weak team. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There are some questions I want to address at some point. We don't have to do them right now, but I'll just pose them. Um, Like who from this team is going to be a real national team contributor? Maybe an unanswerable one, but just put that in your back pocket, Bob. Mm -hmm. And um why was there such a massive drop off in attacking energy from us in the second half? I, I don't know that I have a good answer to it, but I, but I, I, I assume you will. I'll, I'll definitely have an answer. Okay. <laughs> to the timeline. The first thing I noticed was Noah Allen just barely avoiding getting a yellow card on a tactical foul on our left sideline. He, he got dribbled around and um and reached out and grabbed the guy and he could have you know the ref could have given a yellow there and he would have been on a yellow for 89 and a half minutes if the ref had pulled the trigger but he didn't thankfully yeah you always wonder with those types of things if it's the classic case of a ref knowing that and keeping it in their back pocket early it was a you know i think craig long ball um which is mm-hmm. kind of a theme of the game. 
He spotted Aronson making a pretty good central run, but he didn't nail it. And it got cleared and there was some pinball. And Allen, I think, was anticipating of the ball going further upfield and he jumped the pass, but it went to his man and he was out of position. And, you know, instead of fighting to recover, he grabbed and he got lucky. Yeah. I was excited to see him on the left and Cuevas on the right. And I, I don't know that he had that great, that Allen had that great of a game. What did you think? No, it, it was fairly uneventful. Well, the goal came almost immediately after that. Uh, Cuba was up in our attacking third. We had a little trouble clearing it, but um, Craig clears it down towards Caden Clark. And um, it bounces once, and then Clark nods it down to Aronson towards the middle of the field. Aronson does a nice job of hesitating on the ball to let Clark run in behind uh, number 20, who was Romario Torres. Uh, And then... And then Aronson slips him in and Clark is, you know, streaming down the, down the left channel. And he, um, he hits a very good left footed ball to the back post about, uh, belly button high. And, um, and Quinn Sullivan chops at it on the volley at the back post goalkeeper gets hands to it, but not enough. And it's one zero USA after, you know, 70 seconds, something like that. I mean, basically the definition of a dream start. Yeah. You know, it totally changes the game, asserts dominance from the U.S. Cuba knows they're going to be in for it for the rest of the game. Um, What I liked about the goal really is just the the timing of the passes from uh, Clark nodding it back to Aronson, Aronson waiting for Clark to kind of cut in from wide into the gap. Yeah. And then releasing it so that he's free and Clark not wasting time and getting it across to Sullivan. Um, Cuba totally out of position, scrambling the entire time. You know, I think the, the goalkeeper gets a decent amount on it, but you know, he had to scramble all the way across the goal, wasn't able to claw it out. It was such a good ball from Clark too, with yeah. his weak foot. Yeah, all that all that gym time paying off. Yeah, right? All that work on explosiveness yeah. and uh and balance. And I, I do think uh it's interesting it was interesting on rewatch that Romario Torres was uh, was the defender who was victimized on both of our goals, at least. And he was, mm-hmm. he was victimized in this one, but also um, twice on the second goal in two different parts of the sequence. And, um, you know, it's not always going to be like that. He's a 17-year-old. Yeah. Plays in, yeah. Yeah, I found, you know, I put it a little deeper in the timeline, but it seemed like Cuba... At kickoff, we're showing more of a 4-5-1 with Torres in DM. And then very quickly, he was dropping into the back line. Yeah. Like a libero between the other center backs making a 5-4-1. That seems like a strange role to give a very young player. 
you know, something usually where you want your most tactically in tune, versatile defender who is able to switch between playing as a center back or a defensive midfielder. And it did actually help. I think it helped them to drop him back in the five four one. I mean, for him to be deeper, they they were a little bit less porous, I suppose. It seemed like we wanted to keep them under pressure, so we saw a lot of Craig, um, you know, attempting long balls to runs over the top or in the corners. And so at two thirty, he is hitting, uh, you know trying to pick out Paxton again. Um, but, you know, unfortunately this time it's offsides. That was, this was a good, this was a good one though. Um, yeah. Better than the first one. Um, I noticed the, in the, around the 320 mark, a uh, nice little back heel from Clark to spring and overlapping Noah Allen. Allen takes a heavy touch and loses it immediately. But Clark was, uh, Clark was feeling it early on, playing really well. Yeah, someone during the game in the Discord asked, like, what type of player Clark is? Is he a guy who's going to beat people 1v1, or is he more of a creator? And he's, you know, I think his profile is more of an attacking mid or mid, or even a second striker than it is a wide attacker, because he's not going to be like Pulisic or way way of trying to burn guys in behind. Right. He's going to be using his passing and his touch and his body positioning to roll guys or do layoffs or find pockets and make those runs. And, you know, this was a good example of his alertness and his, the variety of techniques he can use to, playing balls mm -hmm. very good in combination but you know that's a thing we don't really have on this team is somebody who can just square somebody up 1v1 and put them on the ground because Sullivan's not doing it Cowell I, I guess is the one who was at least nominally supposed to be that kind of player but he's he's not been doing it really no Cowell yeah okay Cowell um <laughs> We, could, no, we criticized him pretty vigorously the last two episodes, but. You know, it's, it's out of love. That's right. Tough love. You know, we see there's, there's, there's something there. I think he has a good deal of the control and obviously the pace to just burn guys. And it's putting it all together. Mm -hmm. Hey, you know, you can learn a lot after your. 20 years old or 19 oh, yeah. years old, whatever he is. Yeah. What'd you think of, what'd you think of Pukstis early on? Sure. Yeah. I think you put in the timeline here. He was doing a great job of closing guys down quickly. Um, you know, our counter press was really effective in this half. And a lot of that came from him um, reading things and uh, not letting Cuba out. And it allowed us to control space and keep them penned in. It's really hard to think of anything we gave up, except I think after the goal, we fell asleep a little bit. The camera crew didn't track the kickoff. So 
I don't know exactly how it happened, but um, uh, Cuba was able to get free up our left, leaving uh, Puxtas in a 2v1 in the left mm-hmm. backspace. And uh, he picked the man on the ball, and number eight was overlapping free with Allen about like three to five yards behind. And Cuba was able to get in of a low centering pass that their striker hit near post and Craig blocked almost right off his foot. And that, Hmm. that was about their most dangerous moment. Did that come right after the first goal or right after the second goal? You know, I gotta, was that the second goal? That was the second goal. Yeah. They, that, that seemed to me like a, a, a little bit of naivete on our part. We score a couple goals, we're feeling really good, and then we just kind of let the let our guard down a little bit. Exactly. I mean, it's the it's the most dangerous lead. <laughs> That's what people say. That's right. Well, Puxtas, I, th- I thought Puxtas and Alvarado were both really good at closing people down, and um, and Securus too, uh, who is a I believe the youngest player on our team was also full of industry and energy buzzing around. I did think Securus was sort of the odd man out when it came to refinement in mm-hmm. the, in the buildup. Like he, a lot of times those quick passing combinations that, that Clark and Aronson and to some extent Sullivan excel at and definitely Alvarado. A lot of those were, a lot of those were ending when they got to Securus because he, his pass would be a little off or something. And I'm just noting that I'm not trying to be mean to him. That's all. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't put it in the timeline, but there was a time when he got it in the right half space pocket on, on the half turn and he just played it quickly vertical. You know, it's in theory a good idea, but, um, you know, even Cuba are going to be able to figure out you know, a vertical pass to a teammate is going to be the, your next option. And he didn't check over his shoulder before he made and he kind of played it blind. Mm-hmm. He definitely has quality, as you saw in his shot later. And it seems like when he is at speed, he is able to main, maintain some control. But maybe the, you know, his feet are moving quicker than his brain. Yeah. He does. I'm glad you mentioned that because we'll get into it later. But he had a he had at least two really really nice moments in this game, and um, but just a lot of uh, a, a lot of sort of missed connections. I thought. Let's talk about the let's talk about that second goal because uh, it was so nice, fantastic yeah. team goal. Do you want to do you want to describe it? I, I want to enjoy it. Um. <laughs> It, you know, it was, we were defending deep and, um, I think Clark was on our left and, um, defending wide and he had a failed clearance. And yes. so Cuba was able to keep up the pressure, but then he intercepted the next attempt to play into the box and laid it kind of back and square to Craig who then uh cued the attack so alvarado surged forward on that outlet 
he beat his man kind of going to the right in midfield, squared it for Aronson. Aronson then played it back left to Clark, who was overlapping, was a little behind Caden, but he was able to control it and he cut in. And can I, I just ju- had- can I just jump in and say that that okay. control that control by Clark, where he sort of reaches back with his right foot to sort of roll it forward into his path, it's very it's a very subtle thing, but that is um, impressive to me that the way he controlled it because a lot of players are gonna are gonna just they're gonna be like oh no that ball's behind me and then stop and uh, yeah he didn't he didn't do that he was facing was he facing two or even three defenders. Between him two. and Alvarado. And he, you know, cut in and he split split that defense with a really nice disguised pass. Alvarado controlled it facing left, you know, at the top of the box. Sullivan was basically coming in blind on his backside on the right. And Alvarado had the sense the anticipation of realize there was going to be a run there and he cut back and he laid it for Quinn who smashed it in. Yeah. I don't know if Alvarado toe poked it to him or hit it with the outside of his boot, but it was a, there was a, there was a nice harmony to the, to the motion and the pass. Um, Yeah. Kind of one of the things I want to emphasize with young players is that not everything has to be perfect. And sometimes just the timing of something is more important than the precision. Mm-hmm. Because if there's space and there's time, getting the ball where a guy can control it, even if it's not perfect, is going to be more important and valuable than waiting until you can get your favorite technique where you can make the cleanest pass. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. And, um, and I, I, I have been critical of Sullivan. I think Matt Hartman is even more critical of Sullivan than I was in the last pod, but, uh, and I still have a lot of questions about how useful of a player he is in the, you know, moment by moment work of playing a soccer game. But got to give him credit here. I mean, he he finished he yeah. finished this one nicely. Yeah, I I didn't really know him from his youth days, so I just saw him when he was breaking in with Philly, and I liked him a lot. Um, I thought he was doing a really good job of getting into positions. He was playing quickly. He seemed to have decent athleticism for his age playing against grown men. And, you know, he was willing to try stuff. Hmm. Um, you know, I've, he's scored, I think at least one spectacular goal for Philly. Um, seems to have a hard shot. Yes. Um, but has maybe tailed off a bit. Yeah, didn't he have like an overhead kick goal for Philly? Yeah. Last year, yeah. Yeah. Thank you for not swearing when you said try. He likes to try stuff. You know, for the kids, scuffed is for the kids. Like it's for the children. 
It's for the children. Uh, credit to the boys for their incisiveness, I, I would say, in the first 10 minutes and to Sullivan for you know, hitting the right end of the variance spectrum with his finishing because, because we really killed the game inside eight minutes and given yeah. how rug, rugged the field was and Cuba's, Cuba's determination as the game went on to sit deep and force us to, you know, play in the horseshoe. It wasn't guaranteed that this was going to be the outcome. I don't think if, you know, if, had we not, um, had we not been so incisive and clinical early it might have been a it might have been a mess like that Canada game was a few nights ago. You don't have to agree with me on that. Um, I mean, it's just yeah. yeah. I mean, there's I don't think you can add anything to that. It's a youth team qualifying tournament in Central America. So yeah, the fields fields are much deteriorated. So what? Let's let's start. Uh, let's start cruising through the timeline here. What's what's next, Bob? Sure. So next was that um, the overlap off of the kickoff, um, where Cuba kind of got their best open play chance. Oh yeah. Like the broadcast didn't show how they got free, but it seemed like we were pressing aggressively up on our left side and they were just able to dink it in behind us and had a second runner got behind Allen. You know, live, I was a little critical of Pukstis for kind of staying tight to the man on the ball and not handing him off to Allen and dropping. But it was, it was a real tough situation, you know, of, two V one wide. And so it's hard to create a good outcome. I think what they tell you is you just pick a man and you stick with him. And he did that and maybe delayed it enough that uh, Neil and Craig were able to cover the forward. So centering pass was dangerous, but we were right on the striker. He wasn't going to be able to, you know, let it roll across and go inside because Neil was tracking him and his first time shot was blocked right away by Craig. In the 14th minute, we get uh, Cuevas almost draws a penalty kick just outside the corner of the box. It's a, uh, it's where he kind of he receives a back pass, I think, or maybe it was a clearance, and it pops way up on him. But he beats uh, he beats the defender to it, and then gets uh, gets uh, I think a cleat to the shin. Um, on the ensuing free kick, it's it's taken by Nico Tsukiris. And he, he hits a nice one, flashes it low across the face of goal. Uh, Brandon kind of went, skipped through Brandon Craig. Uh, I don't know if he, would, if he was even trying to flick it. Maybe he was. And then... There was some attempt. Okay. And then Jalen Neal can't get to it at the back post. Uh, but another little moment of danger. Hit well and seemed to be well-designed when you have your first center back running across it at the near post and your other at the back post and it, you know, missed going in by a couple of feet without, without anyone getting a touch on it. Even though I thought Securus was the, probably the weakest player in the front six. Um, there were a lot of good, th- he, you know, there's several good things that he did. Um, 
There was some lovely interplay in the 17th minute uh, up the right side. Sakiris was also involved in this at, towards the beginning, but the the key move comes from Cuevas and Aronson. Uh, Cuevas is sort of posted up on the touchline. He he squares it to Aronson, and then Aronson first first time springs him in behind to the end line. Cuevas gets there and uh, makes the right choice, not always a given in that situation, and cuts it back for Sakiris who takes, I think, an excellent first touch with his left foot to open up and then has his shot blocked by a, by a sliding defender. But again, some quality from Securis. You'll love to see it. <laughs> Ten years ago, you'd not ex- you wouldn't expect to see these types of moves from a U.S. youth team. Is that true? Because I wasn't watching 10 years ago. Uh, rarely. You know, it would be... Probably just just then that uh, U twenty team, uh, the first one of tabs, was was one of the first ones where you could expect some slick interplay like this. Hmm. You would, you know, what kind of keyed this move was the counter press, which yeah. was very active and important all games. So you see a lot of that, but. These kinds of interchanges between a fullback, a striker, and a center mid, um, you know, that's not, not, not how we were trying to get it done. And it's a, that, you know, you've mentioned the counterpress a few times. The, the counterpress was really kind of our main revenue stream when it came to, like, a possession in the attacking third. We would just bang it, well, some of the time, you know, hit it long. And then just win the second or third ball and then go at them. See, kind of what we've been doing all tournament, really. Yeah. Yeah. And it was very effective. Cuba couldn't get out. I bet they got it into our half maybe five times. By this point in the game. Um, Yeah. We were just quick to the ball. We had a good rest defense shape. and and the boys were up for it. There was a shot in the 26th or around the 25th minute uh, from Caden Clark with his left foot that goes comfortably wide. I, um, what, how, how did that start? How did that? Sure. I think Clark and Paxton uh, had a little combo in the middle and Clark made the return run kind of going to the left side and Paxton played him into that space um but unlike on the assist Caden wasn't able to get the kind of contact he wanted so he wasn't able to hit a good shot on this but you know it's nice to see again this type of quick combo and recognition of space I thought this after this, and maybe even before it, it was kind of a bit of an ugly stretch of the game, a foreshadowing of things to come in the second half, I suppose. Um, Cuba's not able to handle our, our counterpress. Uh, Puxtas and Alvarado and Securis doing a lot of ball hawking. Cuba was going to let our center backs have the ball. Um, you know, they were in this half pressing maybe just around the edge of the center circle with one striker, then the two CMs and two wide players on the line behind that. When they were sitting uh, 
20. Was that Torres, right? Yep, that's Torres. Yeah, he was mostly dropped on the back line. If we were able to make it through that kind of first line of token pressure, there was a lot of space to operate between the lines. And, uh, you know, this was kind of a, a period where maybe Cuba had settled in deeper, kept us from breaking into those spaces, but we were still committed to uh, attacking quickly. And if it's not coming off, that's going to lead to a lot of, you know, 50-50s and lost balls, but um, nothing really dangerous coming the other way from Cuba. Seemed like we got into the got into the horseshoe a little more uh, towards the in, like in the last fifteen minutes of the first half. Well, before we get to that goal at the end, what anything else notable for you? Sure, there was you know a good moment where Pustas had it a little shaded to the right, and he played a diagonal pass up to our attackers. We saw a nice moment of kind of classic two-man forward play between Clark and Paxton, where um, Clark was kind of moving towards the ball and he dummied it and let it run to Pax and made the return run forward and Pax first time, I think, chipped a hook wide to the right to Sullivan, Hmm. who had a bit of space going into the box, but... Uh, there was a man between him and the ball and Cuba, you know, they had been dropping deeper, so they had numbers and Sullivan didn't really have a clear path to goal uh, or any obvious runners because the Clark had come from the left to the right. So Allen was trailing the play on the far post. And there was no obvious cross there. And Sullivan decided to just, you know, kind of put his head down and shoot from a bad angle. Um, It was blocked right away. Um, Maybe he could have, you know, driven at his man, faked a shot and cut it back to Pax, who had peeled off into a little space. But, um, you know, it was a nice moment of forward interplay. And then maybe a little bit of uh, impatience at the end. Um, you know, seeing that something is kind of on, but it's not a high percentage play and pulling it back or going to the second option is something that attackers develop as they get more reps. And, and I found myself in this game, whenever we did show a little patience and drop it back, being a little frustrated by that <laughs> because, because <Yeah. laughs> I knew, I mean, it's like kind of, you, you, you can't win either way for these guys. Cause, cause when we did that, then we would, then Cuba would settle into their, you know, their very low block and then we'd have trouble making anything happen. It's like those little moments of transition is uh, even, I mean, transition is not the right word, but those little moments of, opening i felt i got to the got to feel that we we had to exploit those when we had the chance even if there was a lower percentage shot at the end of it yeah Uh, i think varus totally agreed with you because all the kind of quick or direct play seemed intentional 
all the passes from Craig, getting it forward quickly, and it paid off. Well, we had a we had another one on a quick restart in the 35th minute. Uh, Clark throws it, must be in the gym working on his upper body because he made a nice uh, behind the lines throw for uh, for Aronson, who settles himself down by the end line and plays a, a good pass back diagonally back across to the top of the box for Sakiris, who took a touch and then had a decent hit that drew a good save from the goalkeeper. I mean, a solid save. And then yeah, just, he, he placed ahead. it well. Yeah, he placed it well, that shot. It was, he hit it low to the near post, right? And yeah. Got a, yeah. Then the goal comes in the 43rd minute. Um, and it, as we're talking here, I now have my theory on why we weren't as good in the attack in the second half. But um, it's, a, it's just a fantastic ball over the top from Pax and Aronson, kind of dribbling away from trying kind of dribbling back towards his own goal in the center circle. He just turns and thunks it over the top for uh, Quinn Sullivan, who makes a well-timed run and he's one-on-one with the keeper and he just sort of slips it past him as he runs by for a hat track hat trick slips it past him near post. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know what part of his foot he hit it with. Do you know? (laughs) Yeah. I, I don't know. I assumed he kind of opened it up a little because it did come back in a little bit. Okay. But, you know, a touch finish when the goalkeeper's coming out and not expecting, or I guess our friends in the goalkeeper union would probably have some stuff to say about the footwork and the body positioning. But seeing that opening and, you know, not trying to hit the best shot, but getting it at the right time into the right spot and makes it look simple. Yeah. Looks so natural as it happens, but it doesn't always happen that way. Does it? (laughs) No. And it was great to see that Philly connection. Yeah. Cause, cause the past, you know, Cuba had pushed their back line up here and we were playing it around their back and in midfield. They hadn't done that for a while. And Pax was able to read that there would be a run coming in and uh, disguise it with his movement and hit it against the grain. I wonder, you know, assuming we beat Nicaragua and Costa Rica advances to that quarterfinal game, I wonder how often they're going to be pushing their back line up. I mean, if I were coaching against the U.S., I would just be super conservative um, in this tournament. I don't know. The half, the half comes, and let me take the half as an opportunity to say this is an ad-free podcast. Obviously, very nerdy, but if you are able to support us on Patreon, that's how we make money. So please consider that. The link to do so is in the show notes. If you join the Patreon, you get the Monday reviews uh, with Vince and Waki. Uh, you're gonna, you get our historic recaps, which there's only one of right now, but there will be two soon, and there will be many more after that and access to the discord which is not for everyone but it is for a lot of people so consider supporting us on patreon at the half we get luna diego luna who was fantastic against canada on for quinn sullivan i mean who they were on for doesn't really matter luna on uh michael halliday on and uh tyler wolf on sullivan cuevas and aronson come off 
uh, I think they all they all could use the rest, and they're probably going to start in the next game. I would assume all three of them. Sure, I mean smart management when you're up three oh against a borderline Concacaf minnow. Yeah. What did you think? So I, I don't want to spend as much time going through everything that happens in the second half because it was it was it was a pretty tough watch, I would say. Yeah, honestly, um before you asked me to jump on this podcast um, the only specific thing I could remember about the second half was that Cade Cowell came in and hit a couple crosses. Yeah. And that's it. The other than that, it was just, you know, going back to your original question is, is pretty classic when a team is up three Oh going into the second half. I feel like you'd see this a lot in Syria where the second half is just dead and in that case you know the winning team just shuts up shop and the other team doesn't have a chance this this one was a little different this second half was ugly in a in its own unique way because <laughs> we didn't set up we didn't no. shut up shop they shut up shop cuba did and i think they just wanted to get out of there with uh you know without much more fireworks yeah uh, yeah yeah i i think they did a better job of closing us down so their maybe first line of pressure wasn't as static and it kept us on the periphery a little more but you know we weren't really nowhere close to as intense as we were to start the game. Yeah. Is that, is that your full explanation for why we weren't as dangerous in the second half before I, before I jump in with my <sighs> theory? You know, it's a, it's the best one I got. Okay. Yeah. I think that, I think that probably explains a lot of it. I, I also think, uh, Pax and Aronson, not being on the field with, without his sort of uh, his playmaking and his ability to combine, we probably we 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 lost uh, a lot without him on there. Is my is my only addition to that to what you said. I can't remember who, who was it. Who was playing the nine most of the second half? I mean, initially, it seemed like Luna was playing a bit more central, but I don't, you know, there were times when he dropped into kind of more of the CM. Yeah. Cause it felt like Wolf was on the right sort of for Sullivan. Yeah. But then, you know, once Cowell got on the couple of times there were runners when he was making crosses, it was Luna. Okay. Running through the middle from kind of the striker position. Yeah, there was one time where Cal tried to cut it back through the legs of a defender, and he did have Luna uh, wide open at around the penalty marker. That would have been that would have been a really nice goal if it had come off. Yeah, there was a there was a um, I think a transition in the seventy third where we had a lot of space in behind, and um, Luna was. 
tree in the middle and Cowell, you know, reluctant to use his left, tried to go with the Travella and the pass didn't hook into Luna's run. No. And the, you know, the chance went away. It was just a little too close to the goalkeeper. Yeah, the one, the one I was thinking of was, um, was him coming up the right and just like just yeah. running at somebody and trying to, trying to cut it back with his right foot. He also Cal also had a cross. You know, he lifted a cross to the back post and it was cut out. I did think, you know, you can see what what is what he offers. There's definitely something there, like you said earlier. Uh, sure, and this know. is you know this is the game state where you would expect him to thrive. Um, but maybe more if the other team is trying to claw its way back in. Yeah. I guess my, uh, I have been critical of him and I've been, you know, people in the discord have been expressing their shock and sadness at my words. But, um, but I, but I think the, the other thing, the other thing I haven't criticized him for yet, which I, which I noticed last night is, you know, if he's going to be a somewhat blunt instrument in the attack, which I think it's fair to say he is, then he's going to need to be a, a more willing and um, industrious defender. It seems like mm. there are moments when he, I don't know whether it's the press or just marking somebody or something where he's just kind of dancing around half-heartedly against the ball. And that has got to, that's something that he can, you know, pretty yeah. rapidly improve and, and probably needs to. Yeah. It's, it's really about commitment there. And you'd want a guy kind of built like him to make his presence known on both sides of the ball. Yeah. Especially, you know, if he he's going to needs to go to like <laughs> aerial a pest school or something. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good that's a good business idea for Paul, actually. <laughs> um let's see. There was we we should talk about the nice uh the nice move from Securus in the fifty-fifth minute. He uh he does some combining and frolicking up the gut and uh kind of makes his way through three or four defenders. I can't remember who he wall passed with there. Might have been Luna. And um, and but then he he uh he finds a nice he finds a nice pass to Caden Clark out left. Clark has a shot and hits it right at the keeper. But good from Securus. Yeah, I mean the quick feet again. Um, you know, there's definitely something there, and I have found usually if a guy playing up a cycle at the U20s especially can hang it's it's a good sign for their long-term hmm. prospects hmm. at at least with you know being a key player for the next U20s and eventually getting a couple of caps i don't you know we're in a different era now um cuz uh we're going to have a lot of depth 
but you know he's someone I didn't know a ton about coming into this tournament that um I'm gonna keep track of to see how he progresses yeah what he hasn't gotten any first team minutes yet in San Jose has he no so and I should, I should know that not, not enough that I've you know uh these come to my attention. So Cal came on for Clark in the 62nd minute. Uh, McGlynn came on for Alvarado in the 72nd minute. Uh, solid shift from Alvarado. Not quite as um, not quite as brilliant as he looked against St. Kitts, but still good. Uh, and the game was pretty boring at this point. <laughs> Before he came off, Clark got into it after getting caught late. And, you know, that's always your worry up 3 nothing on the road in CONCACAF is that the other team is going to take exception to your skilled attacking players and come in hard or do some macho BS. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, it seemed like we were taking our time with set pieces and pretty content with the result and you know it's it's one of the most exciting moments in the second half was i think didn't cuba sub on a new goalkeeper palma gonzalez on for morgado batista not something you see every game and then the first thing he does is handle the ball almost outside the box. Right. It was close. It was, you know, part of the, at least some of the ball had to be over the line. I thought one other thing I noticed from the, from the chippiness of the game was I think, well, both, both Puxtas and Clark were complaining to the ref that they were getting stomped on. Yep. And, um, there was one point where Sakiris gets into a little something with some Cuban teammates and Alvarado comes over and pushes him away and points at his ears as if to say, guys, let's just stay focused here. And um, I appreciated that from Alvarado. I think he, we don't need to, we don't need to get into all that mess at this point in the game. Yeah. Cowell had a villain moment later. Yeah. Um, <laughs> where he just trucked a guy way off the ball, uh, got a yellow, got in it with some guys. And I'm trying to think who someone else also kind of pulled him aside. Told yeah. Him, who know. was that? And he was very receptive to the guidance he was receiving. Yeah. Who, who, who was it that pulled him aside? Oh, it was Craig. Yeah, he put his arm around him and then had a nice captain chat. And Cal was like, yeah, man, you're right. You're right. It's at least that's what it looked like on the video. And I, so I asked what, what I asked in the discord, what caused Cal to do that, to truck that guy. And immediately Casey, shout out to Casey. He said full moon. And then, <laughs> and then OGGB said the thought of the nerds taking his girl. So yeah. <laughs> I thought, I thought those were pretty good. You know, the one, one, one other thing I want to mention about that, that mishit Travella or the overhit Travella, whatever you, whatever you want to call it from Cowell is that that was a nice ball from Noah Allen to release him down the left side. And I wish we'd seen a little more of that from Allen. Cause I know he's got that. 
Uh, yeah. You know, he's got that club in his bag. And the game descended into injury stoppages and sloppiness for, I mean, even more in the last 15 or so to the point where I think we all were just everybody, including the entire nations of Cuba and the United States wanted there to be no stoppage time, but there was four, there was four minutes and we saw it. I think the last action was the a stretcher coming out for an injured player. So that was it. What, before we, before we wrap up, what does your gut tell you about who is the, you know, who is the most likely from this team to be a, a national team contributor? You know, not just somebody who shows up in January camp every now and then, but you know, somebody really getting meaningful minutes. Sure. So I think the guys that come first to mind are Aronson, um, Clark, and then to some degree, Alvarado. But I, th- I think with Alvarado, he's a different profile from kind of our other CMs right now. And so some people can say, oh, that means he doesn't fit whatever system it is. But it can also mean that he's offering a change of pace and a different style. Mm -hmm. And I do think it is closer to what Greg would want. And so it's, but it's going to depend who's the next national team manager. I don't know if it is Jesse Marsh. How is Alvarado in, you know, energy drink football? Um, Whereas Clark and Aronson obviously have, have, and are going to have a lot more experience in that sort of tactical framework. You know, Aronson just has those moments of attacking class. where he's able to quickly spot things and he can execute. He's good on his left. His only real issue is, you know, he's your little brother's little brother. Hmm. And Brendan, in his last year in MLS, it was clear that Brendan had gotten fast. You know, Paxton is still a little younger, but I don't think he has the same turn of pace as his brother. Really? Yeah. I, Brendan doesn't have a high top end for his speed, but he's very quick. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think Paxton so far has shown that he is as quick over say 20 yards as Brendan. Um, so, you know, he's going to have to be a very, smart technical attacker if he doesn't become as quick and a a smaller guy like that has to make up for a lack of plus plus athleticism with intelligence and so it's going to be developing into that type of playmaker that's going to determine his ceiling because it does seem like he has a great technical base Mm -hmm. and um, ability to execute the final ball with Caden Clark. He's a bit more, a bit more of a plus athlete, right? Physically robust. Yeah. Um, I don't, you know, I don't think he's as quick as, 
Brendan Aronson. Um, but, you know, he seems like he's going to be very solid in the cage matches and he can be that eight or the eight ten or a 10 who can fit in physically at a high level and then also has similar to Paxton the technique to pull off some great finishes and high level play. I don't think either of them are supernatural fits for Red Bull soccer, but enough that I would expect them to do very well at Salzburg if they end up there or at some club at that level and and then go on and do well in the Bundesliga, even if that's not at Leipzig. Mm-hmm. Which is, you know, after going back to more of their classic play with Marsh, has gone gone the other way under Tedesco. And, and in a way that I think would fit both Paxton and, and Caden. Yeah. How, well, what are your thoughts on them? Oh man, I I uh, I'm I've become much more cowardly on this sort of question yeah. over the years. But but yeah, I mean Clark Clark to me looks like the the one with the something special the, with yeah. the most something special here. Um, I do agree with you. I mean, it's, it's interesting you t- to hear you talk about Brendan Aronson as being like sort of the pace standard, at least for this little group of players, because even though I, I'm not disagreeing with you about his speed, he's not, uh, he's not often going to beat people 1v1 at the, you know, at the professional level, Brendan, that is. So yeah. if he's not, if he's not doing it, then, um, these guys aren't going to do it either. And, uh, so yeah. you really, yeah. you really you really like you said you really need that intelligence um and you know clark's problem has been at least from what i can tell that he just doesn't get on the ball enough he doesn't influence the game enough because he doesn't find the ball and and maybe that's a system thing in new york and uh maybe it's some other stuff but he's he he needs to he needs to get on the ball as much as possible um but i do think like i think you i i often think of you describing a goal he scored for the Red Bulls, kind of like a, a deflection that came at him at a difficult angle and a difficult height. Yes. And he was able to, he was able to put that in the back of the net. Very, very, very difficult finish. And he seems to excel at that kind of thing. Um, yeah. I'm Clark not- in that way kind of reminds me of Dempsey of young Dempsey in that Clint would try and would do well executing very difficult finishes. And, you know, it's not about scoring them every time we know, we we know about the variance gods, but it's that baseline technique to execute it reasonably well and the confidence to do it quickly, no hesitation. And I think that's a really good sign for Clark long-term. 
Mm-hmm. He 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 obviously has a lot of self confidence too. You know, he believes in himself, and as much of a cliche as that is, it 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 matters. Mm-hmm. I I guess uh, as for Paxton, I'll, I'm just I guess I'm in wait, wait and see mode. I th- I think he's important for this team right now in yeah. the in the attack, but even you know in the game last night, there were times where. I would have liked to see him be more, more decisive, more forward-minded, more forward-minded to mm-hmm. steal a, a phrase from Steve Sampson. Um, but so I, I don't know. I, I do. I, yeah, I think I agree he, with everything you said, but. Yeah. And, you know, um, I guess in likelihood, they're not in the Pulisic or Reina class, obviously. Mm-hmm. I think there is a ceiling and there's enough of a comparative advantage in their skill sets of being kind of technical, creative players who can operate in the attacking half. And that I think that usage point that you made is very important is if they're going to both of them, if they're going to take that next leap, they need to be guys who, in addition to these nice attacking moments are able to help orchestrate a a little bit more from deeper, um, do some metronome stuff higher up, Mm -hmm. set the tempo keep the ball moving, uh, that kind of stuff that, that maybe their current club teams aren't teaching them. Right. And we're, and just to kind of put a number on it, I'm talking, we're, I'm thinking like, you yeah. know, completing like 40 or 50 passes a game instead of 20. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah. Um, I, two other players that, that come to, well, I, I like Alvarado. I think his, I think his, I like his, I like his athleticism. You know, I don't think he's, you know, he's not a, he's not some kind of elite athlete or anything, but he is, he seems to be pretty decent in the cage and, um, like quick to the ball. So I like that about him and, and then add that to his, his, uh, I, I think his sense for how to combine with a teammate is it's, it's nice. I mean that like, he really did make that second goal. He, well, several people made that second goal happen, but he was, you know, he was involved twice in it and, uh, it was nice. I like, I like Mauricio Cuevas. Um, yeah. I thought he, I thought he played better last night than he did, uh, three nights ago. And he's, he's clearly, he's got a long ways to go with his club, I assume. Um, but I like his ability to combine his intelligence and possession. It, I guess I do worry a little bit about his athleticism at the very top level. And then lastly, Diego Luna, um, you know, hard not to root for that kid with yeah. his yeah. neck tattoos and uh, trucker's physique because he's so fun. He's he's so saucy, so fun to watch. And um, yeah. it'll be interesting to see what happens with him at Real Salt Lake. Yeah. And just from his club play, seems like he has real nose and hunger for goal. Yeah. And um, being able to play in in those crowded spaces 
against multiple defenders and coming out of it and um, winning his, you know, cage matches on the ball. Yeah. Um, that's, that's a unique skill. And he, and he seems to have a lot of good ideas in the attack too. I mean, yeah. he got two assists against Canada, both of them, you know, nice plays. So we'll see Nicaragua on Saturday. Uh, Bob, thank you so much for doing this. Appreciate yeah, it. Yeah. Thanks, Wells. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll see you.